0: My word for Windward and for this Sunday morning is that God is raising up. I believe there's a new generation that God's raising. One of the words that God spoke to me said, there's a David generation that he's raising up. And how many love the story of David? I I don't know about you. I love, I love David. David is probably one of my favorite people in the Bible. David knew how to worship, but he also knew how to take care of business. And, And one of the things the Lord spoke to me about this new generation, he said, they're the hidden ones. They're the ones that have been spending time with the Lord in the fields. They're the ones that haven't been looking for notoriety. When, when you know, the, the important club shows up, like, Dave, you know, David's brothers, when the prophet comes. And, and you know, the prophet says, surely this is, the, you know, the Lord's anointed. And David's not even there. I can only imagine what that's like. And God started to speak to me. He said, Sammy, there's a generation that I am raising up. They have felt overlooked by man, but they're not overlooked by God. There's a generation that God is raising up right now. Right now, in this moment, that has the attention of heaven. And I love this because God started to speak to me about this hidden army that's rising up. And I don't know about you, but uh, if you've been noticing, we're in a great transition in the body of Christ. We've seen leaders go on to be with the Lord. You know, we've seen great leaders, people like Reinhard Bonnke, Billy Graham, other ones that are going on to be with the Lord. We're hearing from fathers and mothers saying it's time for the next generation to take their place. It's time. And I feel this, this sense of great transition that's coming. But here's what the Lord told me. He said, get ready. Because I'm about to raise up people you have no idea who they are. But heaven knows who they are. And hell fears them. And so with this, I was blown away. I thought, God, what, what is this going to be? And here's what the Lord told me. He said, Sammy, we're entering into a new era and into a new season. And he said this, tell the Davids that they're going to have to overcome the old season. And he said, there's three aspects. If you want to be a David and you want to step into a new season, he said, there's three old things that you have to overcome. And he said, get ready. As they overcome these three things, God is going to launch them into what I believe is a brand new, Giant slaying anointing. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some giants to come down in this season. I'm ready for some things that people said that were impossible. I, you know, one of the things the Lord spoke to me is to get ready for massive university revival. I saw UBC on fire for Jesus Christ. I saw people going into UBC, you know, UCF. I saw all this Lord just releasing his glory. Come on, somebody. I believe it's harvest time. How many say amen? And so I want to talk about these three aspects these three old things that you have to overcome to step into the new season. One of the things the Lord spoke to me before going into this, he said, you can't take the old vision into a new season. I said, God, what does that mean? He said, Sammy, you have to allow me to close the old doors for the new things to open. He said, some of us were stuck in transition, not because it's, it's God's heart to keep us there, but we have old doors of our past still open that have stopped us from the new doors opening. And so with this, I want to say this, the first thing that David had to overcome, and if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me, is to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And the first thing that David had to overcome was the older brother syndrome. And I want to talk about this here in a moment, because I believe in 1 Samuel 17, you know, we read about David, there's Goliath, he's on the scene, and and there's this massive battle that's taking place. And David comes and he's, he's the youngest, he's the young runt of the family. He's already been anointed by the prophet. I can only imagine, you know, being an older brother and your youngest sibling was anointed. Can you imagine if you were playing games with your brothers and your youngest was anointed king? Now, I, I'm going to tell you this. I, I hope David had better character than me because if I was anointed king by the prophet, I'd start playing games like, hey, everybody, the new game we're playing today is everybody serve me. (laughs) Like, I'm the king. (laughs) And so we see, though, David is curious about what's going on. There's a massive battle. There's Israel. There's Philistine. There's this giant named Goliath, and he's making threats against Israel. Israel is terrified. And here's this young buck named David. He's young. And his, you know, his father, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, his father says, hey, I got some food for your older brothers. I want you to bring it to them. And so he goes down, and just like a younger brother, if you've got younger siblings, you know, I've got, you know, I'm an only child, but I got three little girls, and my youngest wants to do whatever my oldest are doing. And she does not see herself as young. She just sees herself as littler but more determined. And so David starts to ask these questions. What's going on here? And they're like, oh, there's this giant. This is, you know, this is what's happening. And I love this about David. He's like, so what happens if, uh, you know, what happens to the guy that defeats Goliath? Well, they go on to say all these things. Now, I want to look into something very clear here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 28, because we see what I call the older brother syndrome. And it's found in verse 28. It says, now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man... And Eliab's anger (laughs) was aroused against David. And he said, now look at this. Why did you come down here? Now look look what this next verse is, or this next sentence. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know what an older brother syndrome does? The first thing that happens, it tries to belittle what God has put in your heart. Have you ever felt belittled before? You ever been around people where you, you want to share revival, you want to share your heart, and all of a sudden people are like, what are you talking about? You know, you're over here. Why are you thinking over here? Don't stay in your lane. You ever felt belittled before? You ever felt like what you have doesn't seem important? Nobody wants to listen. Nobody wants, you know, it just feels like nobody cares. And we see this with David. It happens with him that the older brother instantly acknowledges, and said, listen, you go, why are you here, number one? Like, You left that little thing over there. Just remember who you are. You're the guy that takes care of those little bit of sheep over there. You know, you're not a soldier. You're over here. And here's the fascinating thing about this spirit, because I believe it has creeped in the church, because an older brother's spirit doesn't just belittle. It'll also call you prideful, because we look at this. We see here in verse 28, it says, And and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. So we see an older brother's spirit, and here's what it does. It'll belittle you in the season that you're in and call you prideful for thinking anything bigger than that. Does that sound like the Canadian church sometimes? Oh, we're for a revival. Don't think too big. Why are you gathering? Why Why are you doing this? Who are you? We've been here longer than you. What's your credentials? We see this called the tall poppy seed syndrome. As soon as people want to dream for bigger, they want to dream for more, they get a picture for God. What would it look like to see a city set on fire? Well, how can you see a city set on fire? You know, there's lots of churches in your area. How can you say you want to see a city set on fire? It needs to be everybody. Can I say this, friends, right now? Somebody's got to believe God for a city get set on fire because the truth is every church would be full every single church would be full. Are you kidding me right now? I'll tell you this right now. There's not a building big enough for the harvest that God's about to release in British Columbia, in Canada. There's not a building big enough just in Aldergrove alone. If all of Aldergrove got saved, there's not a building big enough. And I feel like sometimes what happens is when people start to dream big, people get uncomfortable. When people start to dream big, we start to say, well, you know, and this is some of our Canadian, I'm going to say this right now. We... I'm not a Canadian Christian. That offends people. What do you mean you're not Canadian Christian? Friends, I want to say this right now. You're not Canadian first. You're kingdom first. And for some of us, our culture has got into our Christianity. So we like being known as conservative. We like being known as having our ducks in a row. We like to be known as being educated and having all these things and not dreaming too big so that we don't get hope deferred. But last time I checked, the Bible was filled with dreamers. I think we've done a disservice because we've allowed our culture to influence our Christianity. Friends, you're not a Canadian first. If you've given your life to Jesus... You are a kingdom Christian first. You might live in Canada. You might have a Canadian citizenship, but your first citizenship is in heaven, not in Canada. And I want to tell you this right now. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to move mightily in Canada. I believe God loves Canada more than what we could think or imagine. But I'm going to tell you this right now. We are kingdom first. And I believe we have to allow His kingdom to affect our culture. Well, that doesn't sound very Canadian. we had got to dream bigger. So I like being around guys like Kevin, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Brent, and other ones. You want to surround yourself with people that have bigger dreams. The problem is, is that we get too comfortable with the fishbowl that we live in. And so we have fishbowl Christianity. Well, I'm a big fish, but the truth is we're a big fish in a little fishbowl and God wants to increase. He wants to expand you in this season. What would it look like for you to dream to see all of your kids serving Jesus? What would it look like to see your business on fire for Jesus? What would it look like to see all the school systems on fire for Jesus? Does anybody have a dream today to seeing God invade all of our schools again? Does anybody have a dream again saying, you know what, we're going to get in our hospitals. We're going to see a whole hospitals clear out. You know, does anybody have a dream to look at stadiums and say, you know what, God, you're going to fill this place. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people think God I thank you that you can fill these places because you've given me a dream and a vision from heaven can be funded by heaven and some might call you a dreamer but David was a dreamer until that dream became a reality and then he became a champion the first thing you got to overcome And for some of us, I'll say this, that older brother syndrome is sometimes ourselves. Sometimes we're our worst critics. When it comes to dreaming big, we disqualify ourselves. We think of all the reasons. Well, God couldn't do this because I'm divorced. God couldn't do this because I'm this. God couldn't do this because I'm broke. Friends, I want to tell you this. There's a lot of people in the Bible that were divorced, broke. There's a lot of things in here today. Friends, listen to me right here. God uses broken people. God uses when you look at the life of David. Here's a man that had an affair. Here's a man that killed somebody. God used a broken man. The second thing is this if we want to come into our new season, the second older thing that we have to do is we have to overcome what I call the old mindsets, and some of it's called the old guard. And it's the spirit of Saul that tries to get people to conform to the old ways of thinking. Can I tell you this right now? We always need to honor what God has done, but we can't stay there. We always, my heart is, I always want to honor what God did in 94 in Toronto. I think that's amazing. But can I tell you something right now? We can't pitch our tent on 94 and say, wow, that was really awesome. The world came to Toronto in 1994. Friends, that's what? 27 years ago. You're not honoring it if you stay there. You honor something by moving forwards. You honor something by carrying the legacy. You don't honor something by building a monument. I'll tell you this, friends. Movements become monuments when you lose momentum. I'm going to say that again. Movements become monuments when you lose momentum. And so we see this with David. David is in this place where all of a sudden, you know, you know how David overcomes the older brother first and foremost? He keeps talking. He forgets what his older brother says, and says, "I'm going to keep talking. How's it going over here? What's going to happen to that giant over here?" Hey, listen. Is there not a cause? There's something that burns in me. It might not burn in you, but it burns in me. I burn for revival. That's why I want to tell when we're church. You got to get together more. You got to get together more. You got to keep burning for Jesus. You got to keep going for it. Why? Because you need to find the people that are burning with you. There's something that happens when that fire comes together and you're burned together. Nothing is impossible. And all of a sudden, this man David that was burning saying, "Is there not a cause? We can." T- take this guy. He gets now an audition with Saul. But here's the wild part. David comes and he's in front of Saul. I bet you, can you imagine King Saul looking at David? Like, this is a young dude. Now he's got, the Bible says he's good looking, so he's got that for him. He's young, young, shepherd. And I love this because in 1 Samuel 17, you can tell the process of Saul. And it says in verse 31, now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Now look at this. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Uh, Your servant, look at this, will go and fight with this Philistine. And I love verse 33. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. And he, a man of war, from his youth. I have read this time and time again something dropped in me for this message today. Something got birthed today. I had read that verse time and time again. He said, Sammy, do you see it? Sam, the Lord's speaking this. Sammy, do you see this? Sammy, do you see this? I said, what? He said, this is the mindset of the old guard. This is the mindset of the old season. They look at the, the, the last generation or the new generation and they say, man, I don't know if you're ready. It's not out of a, a bad heart. It's out of a heart of, don't you know, these, these guys are trained warriors. They've been fighting since their youth. You're just a young people. What have you done? But here's the problem with the Saul mind mindset. You judge everything by the battles that you faced. You judged everything. And I've done this by what I've done in ministry and the battles I faced in ministry. And God says, there's now coming women revivalists. God says, get ready for the minorities that are going to release the fire in Canada. And I'm like, God, how does this work? He said, because they fought their own battles. They might not be your battles, but they're their battles. Because David says, listen, Saul, you don't know me, but I fought the lion and the bear. I was in the field. Nobody knew me. I was in the field. I might not have been on your battlefield, but I had my own battlefield over here. And there was a lion and there was a bear for some of you. Your battlefield was poverty. Maybe you're a single mom today and you've been working two jobs to help with your kids. You're like, no, no, you might not know what I've been through. I'm not dishonoring what you've been through but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what it's like to battle racism. You might not know what it's like to be divorced. You might not know, I fought these battles and I've overcome my lion and my bear. I've overcome those things and I've got something to say. I've got something to give. And I'm gonna tell you this in this next season. I believe the word of the Lord is if we want to receive the strength from other groups, we also have to honor their struggle. And so here we see David Telling Saul what he's done. And now Saul, I love this. It keeps going on to say this. It says, Whew. But David said to Saul, your, your servant, verse 34, used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it. And I delivered it from the lambs. Look at this. I delivered the lamb from its mouth. When it rose against me, I caught it by its beard. Now that is bad to the bone. I caught it by its beard. I struck it and I killed it. Now, as this keeps going down, you read in verse 37, Saul realized, wait a second, I do have a warrior here. And here's the thing. Here's the other part of the the older, what I'll call the Saul syndrome. The old guard mentality is, if they can't, if they look at you, okay, there's something good. We want to help you. But sometimes with the help, We have to be careful when we try to help the next generation. I'm learning this with my kids. How many know parenting is a great way of learning how good you are at discipling? Because I feel like, I'm like, oh yeah, I can disciple. Then you have three kids, three girls, seven and under. I feel like, Lord, I can't disciple a rock. God help me. But what do we do as parents sometimes? And I'm still learning this. We want to overcompensate. We want to help them so much. We're saying, hey, listen, just do it this way. This work, this is great. If you just follow this pattern. And my daughter's like, no, I don't want to build my Lego that way, dad. I want to build my Lego this way. And I'm like, no, the manual says you need to build it this way. And my daughter's saying, I don't care what the manual says. I want to build it this way. And I'm like, dear Lord, just follow the manual. But can I tell you this right now? You have to make sure that our reliance isn't on our own patterns. Some of us today, we've got more faith in the system whew, than the Savior. Some of us say we don't even know this, but we've got more of our faith acquainted to, hey, this is how I've done it. This is how you should do it. And we don't realize that God wants to bring all of us on our own unique journey. And I feel this with David. It, the Bible says in verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor. And put a bronze helmet on his head. He also closed him with a coat of mail. Look at this. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I'm gonna use Sammy, Sammy Robinson paraphrase: this ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna work. I can't walk in these things. What does he say? I can't do this. This isn't me. Friends, I want to tell you this. If you want to overcome the old guard, if you want to overcome the old mindsets, one of the things you have to do is you have to make sure you're carrying what God's called you to carry. And I believe there's a generation that's not trying to get a generation to do it their way, but there's a generation of preachers. I'm prophesying to preachers today. You're not trying to bring people to yourself. You're not the answer. This has been the problem sometimes in the church. It's we've turned preachers into the answer. If you just do it my way, if you just spend the time with the Lord my way, just, you know, here's how you can do it. We create books, we create product, and then people try it, but they get disappointed because it's not about the preacher, it's about the presence. And what does David do? He says, this isn't going to work for me because I can't walk in this. This isn't what I've been called to do. I've never done it this way. All I know is that I've got a sling I got a staff and all I've learned every time it's been hard, every time I need to get some ammo in my life, I go to the brook, I go to the water. There's a generation that's not going, come on somebody, they're not looking to a book in the sense of not, I'm not talking the Bible. They're looking, they're not looking to a book to try to get all the answers. They're going to the water of God's presence and saying, God, I need you. I want to spend time with you. I don't want to leave the place of your presence because it's in your presence where everything I need is found. Is anybody here hungry for his presence? Is anybody here, you don't care what it looks like, you're just saying, God, I need your presence. Like Moses said, unless your presence is with me, I'm no different than anybody else. God, I need your presence. I have to have you. And I love this about David. He finds his ammo in the water. Here's a word for you in this season. You're about to see, I mean, some of the greatest miracles are about to take place in open. You're about to see some of the wildest stuff. I believe in Windward. Get ready. In this church, I'm telling you, you're not going to find a spot. I'm telling you, this place is going to be so packed. I mean, overflow. I mean, you you better mail it in. I mean, you better get in quick. There's going to be so many miracles coming out of this church. I'm going to keep prophesying. There's a well of healing in this church that's going to overflow. I I keep seeing people coming out of wheelchairs. I keep seeing people. the, The lame are going to walk. The blind are going to see. The deaf are going to hear. I want to tell you this, though. Just like David. Wow. whoo! The battle was decided in public, but the victory was won in private. I'm going to say that again, because some of us, we didn't get this. The battle was won in public, but the victory was decided in private. David had already won the victory when he picked up the stones at the water. David had already won he had already gotten the victory because he got it in private. Too many people are looking to get the victory in public. They're like saying, oh God, if I just do another prayer meeting, we get all these people together. We're going to just pray the victory. Friend, I want to tell you this right now. You know where victory comes? In your quiet place, in your secret place. You want to know where the, the victory comes? When you spend time in the presence. I'm not saying God can't move in the public, but I'm going to tell you this right now. It's found, victory is found in the private place. It is found in that place where it's you and Jesus, you and God alone alone and out of that place when you come together, that's when the battle's won in public. So in this season, if you've been rejecting the private place, no, you need to get into the private place because that's the place of the victory. That's the that secret place that right now you're like, man, where's my ammo for this next season? I feel like I got giants all around. You need to go back to the water. Don't go to me. Don't go to my preaching. You need to go after this. This should compel you to go to Jesus. You need to listen to people. That's why I love guys like Kevin. I love guys like Brett. You need to find people that point you to the source. I'm just a resource. I'm not the source. Too many people are listening to their favorite preachers and I love them all. I like Bethel. I like everybody. But I'm going to tell you this right now. They are not your source. They're a resource. You have to find your source. So you got to go to the water. David, he goes to the place and he's familiar with the water. So he finds five smooth stones. Five represents the number of grace. David was already anointed with grace to do the task. And so the third older thing that David had to overcome wasn't that hard. And that was the old giants. That were the things that had been standing and taunting the the children of Israel. It was that giant Goliath that would not stop talking. Can I tell you this friends right now? How many are ready to see the devils that have been yakking against the church about to fall in this season? I'm ready to cut off some heads of devils. I'm in the mood. Goliath, you've been yakking for way too long. Some people think that they don't need God in this season. I've heard it before. I want to tell you this right now. I have never seen more people hungry for Jesus than right now. If you're on here today, you're not saved. Number one, God bless you. You're listening to me. My goodness. You're hungry. <laughs> you know what we found in this season? There's a lot of superficial stuff. Superficial peace. Superficial joy. And when a moment like this happens, you know what you realize, you just realize all that other stuff really doesn't matter that the amount of money you think you have in your bank account, how great our healthcare system is, how many vacations you can go on, all that stuff. You know what you find in this season, what really matters? One of the biggest questions people ask, you can research it even on Google today, one of the biggest questions people ask is, where am I gonna go when I die? See friend, I wanna tell you this, there's an imprint of eternity on your heart today, whether you know it or not. There's an inward desire to know what is after this life. Because we're in a world of beautiful design and this cannot, listen friends, we are in a, in a world of beautiful design that if you would try to do the math of the possibilities of how perfect this world would be, it is astronomical, it is beyond random chance. So if you're telling me, so if you're tracking with me on here, If this life is this perfect, then what's after this? I don't care who you are. Every single person asks the same question. What's going to happen after this life? And I want to get there in a moment. But I want to say this. Is that here's David, young dude. He's staring at a Goliath that has been taunting and making The children of Israel, very afraid. And I'm going to say this, friends. There's a lot of fear right now. One of the things the Lord spoke to me, he said, what you fear, you empower. And the biggest spirit that we're facing right now in our nation is the spirit of fear. I think the greatest effects on the human body that we're facing is not the Coronavirus. I think it's the fear associated to this whole situation that's actually caused more harm than the virus itself. If you study fear, and I've done a study on this, fear releases stress into your body and stress is the number one killer in the human body. Produces cancers, produces all sorts of vile things in your body that should not be there, why? Because it's not natural for your body to have fear. You were never created to have fear in your body. And so when you look at this story of David and he's looking at Goliath and, and I, I want to tell you this right now. This season that we're in, nice words don't take down giants. Some people are trying to move in flattery with the devil. Your, flattery is not going to change a giant. Our talk and us being good Christians, having a form of godliness, but we deny the power, saying that we believe Jesus heals, but I ask myself all the time, am I truly walking in the revelation of Jesus the healer? Meaning, when I see people that are sick, do I actively believe with them that they're gonna be healed? If I believe God speaks, Am I actively believing that I'm going to hear something for somebody? That's why even I'll I'll move in different kinds of words of knowledge. For some, it might look foolish, but I don't care because I know that one word from heaven can change your life today. And if 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 I miss it, if I fall short, if I look a fool, I don't care because I know that God so wants to speak to you and he's always speaking to you and he loves you so much. And here's David, and here's Goliath, he's yakking. And I love this about David. Because David says, hey, see that sword that you got right there? (laughs) I'm about to use that sword. I'm about to cut off your head. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty gangster. Can I tell you what's going to happen in this season? The very giants that you've been facing... Are going to be the things that you hang up on your trophy wall in this next season. The very thing that tried to oppose your destiny is now your opportunity to see your prophetic word come to pass. I believe, I'm going to use a basketball term. Some of you right now, you got some big giants in the paint and you're about to posterize the devil in this season. What does that mean? You're about to dunk on the enemy. Devil, welcome to my poster. This is your moment, right here, right now. I'm going to say this again. Some of you today, God wants to deliver you from that belittling, that belittling talk, and on the flip side, the accusations of pride for dreaming big. Some of you today, I'm going to say this right now. The need for community is so big. I keep hammering this, and I'm going to hammer this to all of our online family. I'm going to hammer this to everybody that's watching. If you're not in community, you need to find it. I'm just going to say it right now. You need to find it, and here's why. Because if you are spending time with people that are influencing you to give up on your dreams because they've given up on theirs, you need to let them go. You need to find people that are going to fan the flame of revival in your heart. They're going to burn with you. You got to stop hanging around people that are trying to dose out your passion. Well, I'm trying to be nice with everybody. Friends, there's a time, listen, there's a time to minister to them, but if they're actually sucking the life out of you, you need to find people that are actually going to burn with you. And I'm telling you right now, if you're in a place right now, I'll just, I'm just going to say it. If you're, If you're here in the valley and you're like, I don't have a church, why are you not here? They didn't say it. They didn't ask me to say it. I'm just going to say it. Why are we not here together in this season? Well, what about this? What about this? Guys, who cares? It's time to turn a page. It's time to believe God. It's time to go after it together. Is somebody going to get so hungry and say, God, I don't care. In this season, we are going to work together. If I have to tell myself right now, I'm going to work together. I'm going to do this thing. We're going to go after it together. Why? Because it's bigger than one person. It requires a family, and it's time to come back in a family. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking to somebody. Because if I don't say it, many people won't say it. And you can't just live off me. Man, I wasn't going to go there but I'm going there. You can't just live on online. And we've seen 1600 people say yes to Jesus online but you can't just live online. You need to find people. You need to find people that burn with you. If you're in this area I want to encourage you. You need to come into family. That's the first thing. The second thing is this is that you need to find those fathers and mothers that are going to see the gold in you, and this is why I'm so thankful. You know who picked me up from the airport today? My mom and dad. I love my mom and dad, especially my mom. I really like her. I like her so much. You know why? She, now having three kids, they, she put up with so much junk. I mean, my goodness, she could have, uh, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I look at my kids and I thought, yeah, there's some of me in there. Lord, forgive me. I, I just want to text my mom every day. Thank you. Thank you for loving me and not throwing me out of a third story window. You know what you need in your life? You need people that are going to look at you and see the gold in you, even when you can't see it in yourself. You need to find people that are not worried of a little dirt. They're going to, they're going to blow faith into your, wow, the sales of your faith. But here's the deal though. They're going to confront your fears. They're gonna look at you, and you know what they're gonna say. They're gonna say, "You know what? I see greatness in you. It's time to rise up. It's time to step up." They're not pointing themselves. They're not pointing you to themselves. They're pointing you to the source. They're saying, "Listen, you can get in- you-, you can get encouraged by what I say, but you're not dependent on me. You're dependent on Jesus." Find the people. Like I, this is why I love Kevin Stottie because every time me and Kevin, when we were younger, you know what all we did? Worship. We would just get downstairs in his parents' bedroom, and we would soak for four, five, six hours. Why? Because we wanted to be connected to the source. It wasn't good enough just to be in the meeting. I wanted. Jesus. I know what Kevin's thinking. Kevin's thinking, well, you sleep for four of those six hours. (laughs) Is that what you just said? Yes, I know. I could tell. Prophetically, non-prophetically, I could tell. The third thing you're going to overcome is this. We're about to overcome corporately the old giants. The giants of this season will no longer be in front of us. They're going to be behind us. God is looking, I believe, for British Columbia, especially, and I'm speaking to all of Canada here today, and I'm speaking today to those that are here in this region, but also in British Columbia. Friends, right here, right now, here's a word for you, is that God is about to move in a wave of revival. It's going to hit BC, it's going to hit the the West, and it's going to affect the rest. This is your word. It's going to hit BC, it's going to affect the West. Wow. Hit the West and affect the rest. So as somebody that lives in, listen, my roots are here, but I live in Alberta. Here's my word for you. We're standing with you as Albertans. We're standing, I have people from Quebec that have messaged me. When I released this word about a wave, they said, Sammy, we are praying right now full-time for British Columbia because we know God wants to release it through British Columbia. There are people from all over the nation praying for you today. So come on, somebody. Is there anybody here in this room today? I want, wherever you are, I want you to lock in right now. I want to pray with you because there is an army of Davids that are rising up. There's an army that is looking today at the giants. They're not intimidated by the giants because they know who their God is. They've been in the secret place. They found victory in the secret and they're about to see, wow, they're about to see the battle won in the public. Here's a word right now, get ready, because that public, I believe, in this season is a harvest. Out of the public square, we're about to see the power of God. We're about to see those who have never stepped foot in a church start coming to church in this next season. I'm prophesying right now, B.C., your greatest days are ahead of you. It's time to ride the wave of revival. British Columbia, this is your moment. This is your moment. I believe some of you, you didn't even realize this, but you were created right here, right now for this moment. Yeah. Yeah. By the divine design of God who saw everything and said you are perfect for this moment. This is your moment. So wherever you are, I want to do this right here. I want you to just to lift up your hands. Whew. Can you just feel that? It's like rain in this place. I, I, I can feel it. There's like, a, there's like a fresh rain that's in this room right here. Some of you, you might even start to feel raindrops in this place. Whew even on, I'm seeing this online, I'm seeing like, some of you are going to feel like water, and there's a new rain God's releasing right now. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, we, we honor the outpourings of your spirit that you've done in the past, but Lord, we know, oh God, we know that you have something for us right here, right now. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for Windward I thank you for Windward family. I thank you for the, all those that are watching today from all over the world. God, I thank you today. Like David said, I would have fainted had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God, I thank you that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And God, I thank you right here out of British Columbia. God, you are raising up your church for such a time as this. Because we've seen the other side. Hoo-hoo. Lord, I've seen the other side. On the other side of fear is a unstoppable move of God. A harvest that many of you, you've sowed with tears that you will reap with joy. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would raise up a David generation that is fixed on the one like David, a man after his own heart. Lord, a a man that was crafted. God, you crafted his character Lord, you crafted his character in secret. Lord, a man that wasn't looking. He wasn't looking for the opportunity. He wasn't even invited to the party, but God, he had the favor of heaven. God, I thank you, Lord, for a generation of laid down lovers that will do whatever it takes, God, to see, wow, your glory in the land of the living. And Lord, that our prayer would be like Proverbs 13, 22 says, that we would leave an inheritance for our children's children. God, let it be known of our generation that we believed for revival and we gave revival as an inheritance for our kids and for our grandkids and that they would take it forwards, and we would truly see generational revival in Canada and that our nation truly would be glorious and free. everybody said amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you so much today for the honor of ministering to you guys. It is such a a joy, and all those today that are watching, I, I want you to know your best days are ahead of you. Friends, truly, the best days are yet to come, and so God bless you guys, and thank you very much. Amen.